0: Good to see everybody today. A um, couple of things before we get started. We'll uh, be looking at John chapter 12. So if you have a, a Bible or you want to use the, one of the ones that's uh, under your chair, John chapter 12, if you have YouVersion or the Bible app on your phone, uh, you can go to the live section um, and just search the well Austin and that will bring up all the scriptures that we're using for today. There's a question on there as well. Or you can just simply type that uh, link into your browser and that will take you there as well. Um, What we're talking about today uh, kind of themes on uh, a simple word, devotion. And so if you were to look up the word devotion uh, in the dictionary, it would simply say something along the lines of, an attachment toward to something or someone this is what it talks about for devotion. And there's a lot of things that we can be devoted to. Um, I want to show you one thing that I guess me and slash my family are devoted to. Um, you can be devoted to a lot of different things. Um, and here's a, one of the things that my family is devoted to. Uh, we like Duke basketball specifically. It, would, it wouldn't be fair to say that we like Duke football, because, but they're getting better. But we like Duke basketball. And so I just want to show you a few things that I g- grabbed from my house this morning, okay? So have a Duke hat. Um, if you want Duke uh, salt and pepper shakers, I, can, I got that for you. Um, if you're just uh, super affectionate and you wanted a Duke teddy bear, I got that for you. Uh, maybe, maybe you wanted uh, just to, you know, have something nice to drink. Um, got you a Duke cup. Um, and this is one of those, I don't know what it's called, but like when you move it, it changes the thing. You know, like when you were a kid, what are those, well, I don't even know what that's called. Okay, sure. Um, I don't really think... Is that what... Well, anyways, when you move it around, it changes, and so that's kind of cool. Um, we have this light um, that's super cool. I'm not going to plug it in for you, but it's like one of those glass blocks, and you know it has a light or whatever. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, so if you want that... Um, did somebody just say, I see the light? Did somebody say that? Um, um, also, I won this. Won, won, it's been a long time ago, but I actually won a jersey. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, and then... All this other stuff is stacked up on it. This, this right here. Well, I don't. You probably don't care to see it, but I'm going to show it to you anyways. Um, this is a plate, like a platter, that you can put stuff on. Um, it makes it makes food taste better um, if you put it on this particular platter. Um, so, one of the things about devotion is like you can be devoted to a lot of different things. But one of the ways that you can tell what you're devoted to is kind of like where you put money towards right and so and it's not that big of a deal so let's say for instance maybe you're you're really devoted to shoes and so you don't care if somebody makes fun of you for the amount of shoes that you buy because you're your, your devoted to buying shoes. Maybe you're devoted to hunting, and so you don't care that people make fun of you for waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning um, to go hunting, um, which, I, to be honest, I think is kind of dumb, but you don't care. Um, and so you wake up super, you wake up super early uh, to go hunting, and so that's kind of your thing, and you're devoted to that. Or maybe you're devoted to um, um, that, I don't know what it's called, that crafty thing, and like you punch stuff and you put stuff on paper and I just have scrapbooking. Yes, yes. Um, And so you're devoted to that. And so you don't care if people make fun of you for the amount of time that you spend or that you cut your fingers or whatever the case, because you're, you're devoted to that. And so by simply being devoted to something, it's like you're, you're attached to it. You're, you show uh, care, affection towards it. And so today we're going to talk about devotion and here's the challenge for me personally. Like, I don't want to speak for you, but for me personally, here's the challenge. So, like, I know that there may be one other person in the room that is devoted to Duke. I know that that's not your thing. But maybe you're devoted to UT. Just right, okay, okay. One person? I thought it would be more than that. Or maybe, or maybe you're devoted to that other school with the A and the M. Maybe you're devoted to them. <sighs> um. So anyways, but so here's the frustrating thing for me. Like I'm devoted devoted to Duke. I remember my first experience to go to a Duke basketball game. Like I'm pretty confident that I peed my pants when I walked in there. It was that cool. I mean, it was an amazing experience. I actually walked past Dick Vitale going down the hall. I mean, it was just like I was freaking out. And it was just a cool experience. And I remember sitting in there and I remember going crazy because it was such a cool experience and they score and they win because they pretty much always win. And it was just a really, really cool experience. But as we talk about devotion today, personally, I find it a little bit frustrating that it seems to be super easy for me to be devoted to something like Duke basketball. But I find it way more difficult at times to show my devotion to Jesus. And it's frustrating. And so, I want to talk through why I think that that's true for me and why I think that that's true for you. But we can show our devotion to certain things, but then sometimes, not always, but sometimes we find it difficult to show our devotion to Jesus. And maybe you came today and you're like, well, I'm not devoted to Jesus at all. I just came because somebody made me come. And I I think that that's great. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that they forced you to come. I'm glad that they bribed you to come. And as we talk through what it means to be devoted to Jesus, maybe you can catch a glimpse of why it's such a cool thing to be devoted to Jesus. For those of you that have already said yes to Jesus, maybe today kind of helps you see a process that can increase your devotion. Because I think that that's what I want I know that that's what I want. I know that that's what I need to increase my devotion to Jesus, because at times I'm way more devoted to other things than I am to Him, and that's really frustrating. And so that's what we're going to talk about about today. John chapter twelve. Um, is where we're at, starting in verse 1. So it says, six days before the Passover, um, people are traveling, and it says, Jesus therefore came to Bethany. The reason that they're traveling is for the Passover, and we talked about this several weeks ago, but the reason that people, people wanted to go to Jerusalem for the Passover, so lots of people are traveling, and so it says, six days before tra- Passover, Jesus actually makes it to Bethany, and it says, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So at some point, um, Lazarus is died Jesus comes and, and if you'll remember we, we actually spent three weeks on it you can go back and listen to some of those messages but um, Lazarus dies Jesus eventually comes and, and raises him back to life calls him out of the grave. And so that's kind of a cool. So now what you have to understand is Jesus is back here. He's in Bethany. Um, he's, he's at this place where Mary and Martha and Lazarus are. And it even tells us that um, in verse two, it says, so they gave a dinner for him there. It doesn't say exactly who they are, but there's lots of people gathered around and they're having a dinner for Jesus. Okay, so lots of people were gathered. Um, we know that Lazarus is there. We know that Mary's there. We know that Martha's there. There's, we don't know how many other people, but we know that it's a, like, it's a celebration. There's a lot of people there, okay? So just keep that in mind, a lot of people there. It says, uh, Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him, At the table. Now, what you have to understand is, like, the way that you and I eat most of the time, like, I don't know what you do at your house. Well, (laughs) I was going to say we sit at a table. Actually, I don't sit at the table. Most of the time when I eat, I sit on the couch. But, um, But typically, when we eat, we, like, we're sitting, like, at a table. Like, if you go to a restaurant and you go out to a nice dinner, you're sitting at a table and you got, you know, you're sitting, not in a table, you're sitting at a table in a chair, okay? But that's not what's happening here, okay? This is not how they ate. So, there would be a table and there would be maybe, like, 12 inches off the ground. So it's not like super high. So it's a, it's a table and it's on the ground. And I would actually show you this, but it will look kind of weird, so I'm not going to do that. But so the way that they were eating is, so here's the table. They're all laying on the ground. Like, they're kind of leaning on the ground. Their head is towards the table and their feet is like away from the table. Are you with me? Like, you see what I'm saying? So they're like laying down. I think, personally, we should adopt this. I think, like, how cool would that be to eat laying down? I, I want to start doing this. I think this is how we, just chop the legs off all of your tables and let's eat like that. That's how we should eat. So they're laying down, okay? Their feet are behind them, their head is toward the table and they're laying there and they're eating with their hands, okay? Are you with me so far? So they're eating. I don't, we don't know exactly how many people, but we know that one of the people that's laying down at the table with Jesus is Lazarus. We know that, okay? So there's lots of other people around and so that's what's going on. And then it tells us, Verse 3, Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So people are laying around the table. Mary comes in. And in other places in scripture, it tells us that she has this, a jar, an alabaster, a clay jar. And probably what happens is, so it says that it's made of pure nard, which if you're like me, you're like, that doesn't sound very pleasant. Like that to me, in in my mind, when I hear nard, I think, I don't know why, I think gross smell, not nice smell. But it it was expensive. She might have broken the neck of this bottle And in other places, not just in this particular story in John, it says that she began to pour the whole bottle, which you could probably have used this bottle of perfume, this pure nard, over a thousand times. Like, because you didn't need a lot. And it says that she began to pour it on Jesus, to anoint him with this nard. Now, there's a lot of things going on here that, it doesn't specifically tell us, but we need to understand why this was a big deal. So in their particular culture, it was different than in our day. So usually like us, like we, you know, we take a shower every day, or you're supposed to take a shower every day, um, or frequently, I don't know, at least once a week, okay? can we say that we take one at least once a week? They didn't take a shower frequently. And so sometimes what would happen is when you would come into somebody's home, one of the things they would do is they would take something like this and they would anoint you with it. So they would either put it on your, ha- on your head, uh, on your hands, or potentially maybe even on your feet. And so they would anoint you because it was like it was pleasant, like it would take away some of the other aroma. Are you with me? I was trying to think of a nice way to say that. Um, and so what, tel- what it tells us here is Mary comes in. You remember, people are laying down. Mary comes in. She sees Jesus there. She takes this jar. However she breaks it, she opens it, whatever, and she begins to pour it on Jesus, all of it, not just part of it. She didn't just like put a little bit on him. She put the whole thing on him. Can you imagine what it would smell like in there as she pours out this whole bottle of ointment. Like she put the whole thing. And then it says that she took her hair and she began to wipe off the excess on his feet with her hair. Now there's something else significant about this because women didn't typically put their hair down. If you had your hair down, that was kind of a a symbol of loose morals. So it wasn't something that you would frequently do. And you definitely like Touching somebody with, on their feet, that was reserved typically for like a slave or, or somebody who didn't have um, a lot of honor. And so she's doing two things here. She's taking her hair down and she begins to um, rub the excess ointment that she's poured on Jesus. She begins to rub his feet with her hair. Why? Because she's a fan. She's devoted to Jesus. Like think about it at some point previous jesus has just came and raised her brother back to life like she's like this guy jesus is significant And I don't care if somebody makes fun of me. I don't care if people laugh at me. I don't care. Like, she's probably not even thinking of that. She just sees Jesus and she's like, I want to show you my devotion. And she takes this bottle and she breaks it and she pours it on him. Now, it tells us, like, in a different place, if you keep reading, it tells us, kind of like, it attempts to tell us how much it was because we kind of see two, uh, another character enters into the story here. And it says, the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, and then it says in parentheses, like we want to know exactly who we're talking about here. So it says in parentheses, he was about to betray him. So this is the guy that at some point, um, a little bit more in the future, he's the person that's going to sell out Jesus, okay? So he starts talking and he says, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? So he kind of like gets upset. So Mary breaks this stuff, pours it on Jesus, begins to wipe it up, and Judas kind of throws a fit. And he says something to the effect of this. He's like, why are we doing this? Think of all the hungry people we could feed. Think about the orphanages that we could build. We could start a church. Like he's thinking of all of these things that they could do, which is really interesting. But then it goes on to say, he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. So, as Jesus had been traveling around, people started being devoted to Jesus. And one of the ways that people would show their devotion was by giving money to him to support his ministry. And Judas was the guy that had the money bag. So, basically what would happen is, people... Jesus would come through a, a town and he would do some stuff and he would talk to people and he would preach and people would be like, that man's the real deal. I'm gonna support him. So they would say, how can I support you? They, and Judas would be like, I got the money bag right here. Let's just put some in. But Judas was taking some off the top. Like that, he was just like, he was secretly taking some of the money that people were using out of their devotion that they were giving to Jesus. So in his mind, he's like, you wasted 300 denarii. And for you and me, we're like, okay, that sounds like a lot. I don't know what that is. Here, basically, it was a form of payment. If you went and worked for a day, a denarius is what you would get paid. Not 300, but one of them. So what she poured out onto Jesus was worth approximately a year's worth of salary. So if you, were like, if you were like a good Jew and you observed all of the holidays and you observed the Sabbath, you wouldn't work on those days. So you would probably make about 300 of those. And he's upset because he feels like we wasted that and if you were gonna put 300 in here, then maybe I could take out 30 and nobody would ever notice. Like that in his mind, that's what he's thinking but it still doesn't translate for you and me because we're still like, okay, what, what is that? It's probably equivalent to somewhere in the vicinity of $50,000. Now, I don't know about you. Like, I like cologne and perfume, and like, I, like to, I, like, I like to smell good. I like the people who are standing next to me to smell good. Like, I think that's a cool thing. I don't know about you, but like, where I bought my stuff at Walmart... There's none that cost $50,000. I don't even know if you can find any that cost 20 bucks. So I want you to just pretend for a moment that someone, a wealthy person has given you this bottle and it is worth $50,000. You know what your first thought, okay, let me rephrase that. You know what my first thought is gonna be? How much can I get for this on eBay? That's my thought. that's that's, That's what I'm thinking. My thought isn't, let me show someone how much I'm devoted to them by pouring this on them. That's not my thought for two reasons. Number one, that's not part of our culture. Number two, I want to know how much I can make, which I think is what Judas wanted to know. But you have this. You have this thing, this extravagant gift and you want to show Jesus how much you're devoted to him. And in this particular story, I think it's interesting because you have two people, one person who is devoted to Jesus, Mary, and another person who thinks that they're devoted to Jesus, Judas. And then it goes on to say, in verse 7, Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it, Uh, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus knows in just a few days that he's going to die on a cross. Like he already knows that that's coming. And Mary puts this on Jesus because she thinks that he's worth it. She's showing value. She's showing devotion. And I think that when you're devoted to something, You don't have a problem spending your time and your energy and your resources on the things that you're devoted to. It comes naturally. She's devoted to Jesus and she wanted to show him. So typically at this point, if you heard a preacher or person giving a sermon about this, one of the things that they might say is, well, let me tell you how to be more devoted. Let me tell you how to be more like Mary and less like Judas. I think hows are important, but I think in this particular case, I think the why is more important than the how. And now let me explain it to you. The why, the why is more important because do you see Jesus as a means or an end? Do you see Jesus as a means or an end? Judas saw Jesus as a means. He saw if I can hang out with Jesus, I can get scrape something off the top as people give him money. Um, m- Mary saw Jesus as an end. I just gonna, I want to be devoted to him because of who he is and what he's done. Judas prays like you and I pray sometimes. Okay, G- Judas prays like I pray sometimes. And I get really frustrated sometimes at my prayers because I begin to treat Jesus like some sort of cosmic vending machine. And if I say the right thing and I push the right buttons and I put in the right thing, then I can push the buttons and get out what I want. And I think that that's what Judas he was treating Jesus just like a vending machine, and that's what you and I do. And when you and I treat Jesus as a means, we miss the whole point. And Mary said, "I want to treat Jesus like the end that He truly is." I think the big thing is, how do you know that if you're treating Jesus like the end instead of the means? Like it's, do you love the things that Jesus loves? Do you value the things that Jesus values? Or are you more in it for yourself? And, and here's the way, like if we can begin to figure out a way or a picture or a process to discipline ourselves. And so w- what we need to do is figure out how can we take our mind's attention, which some of you don't have at the present moment because you're like, this guy's talking and I'm going to sleep. But your mind's attention, your mind's attention and your heart's affection and point that towards Jesus. That's devotion. Your mind's attention, your heart's affection pointed towards Jesus' devotion. And I'm going to give you a process that I think that if we begin to understand this process, it will make a difference for us. And I think that it could potentially increase your devotion and my devotion. And so I want to go through a couple of things. The first part of the process is simply a word, guilty. And, And we're going to put these up on the screen for you. The first word in the process is guilty. And you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like a good place to start. But I think we need to start there. Because I don't think that we often understand exactly how guilty we are. Like so guilty, like we're already dead guilty. It won't show up on the screen, but I just want to read a couple of verses for you to help us grasp the guiltiness that we have. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Like, isn't that something that you enjoy hearing? Like, <laughs> you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Welcome to the well. I mean, is it like, like that could be like a slogan, right? <laughs> Ephesians chapter two, verse five says, even when you were dead in your trespasses. Romans chapter six, verse 20 says, for when you were slaves of sin, um, you were then freed. When you were slaves of sin, And then Romans 6.23 tells us the only thing that we have ever earned. It says the wages of sin is death. You and I are guilty, so guilty, like guilty of death. The next part of the process that we need to begin to understand is that you and I are rescued. And so we go from guilty to rescued, and we have that up on the screen, I think. There we go. Um, Rescued. And that when you and I begin to see that we were rescued from that position that we had and this, this deficit that we had and this deadness that we had, that we were rescued, Romans chapter five, six through eight, for while we were still weak, And at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for you and for me in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then several weeks ago, maybe even months ago, we looked at John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep you know while we're talking about devotion i think that it's worth bringing up like mary was pretty devoted because she laid out fifty thousand dollars on jesus so i think that she was pretty devoted but while we're talking about devotion isn't it interesting that god was even more devoted because he laid down his son i think that that's a little bit more costly than fifty thousand dollars so we're guilty We're rescued. And then the next thing that we need to understand is that it leads to gratitude. Um, This one I think is difficult for us to grasp at times, but it leads to gratitude. Um, Gratitude is something that is hard to quantify at times. And so what I'm going to do for just a, the next few moments, if you'll just stay with me, for the next few moments, I'm going to read you some pieces of Scripture. And I want you to, if you need to take a different posture, if you need to hold out your hands, whatever you need to do to focus and listen, because what happens is here, I'm just putting myself in your place. And somebody reads to me, I don't pay attention. And with, so now it's bad for me to say I'm about to read to you. I'm not giving you permission to not pay attention. But I want you to understand what we're talking about here. I want the verses that we're about to read to be like that they just impact you, that they flow over you, that they bang down on you. So I did some research. Niagara Falls, right? Never been there. One of the places that I want to go. I've seen pictures. I've seen videos. Like it's a pretty impressive place the horseshoe falls side of niagara falls produces 681,750 gallons of water per second can okay, we say that again because it's a big number and we don't understand that 681,750 gallons per second falls over horseshoe falls at that side of niagara falls that's a lot of water And I want you to just for a moment, as I read you some scripture that I think brings us to a place of gratitude, I want these to to fall down on you. And I want you to use the imagery of Niagara Falls. And so as I read these scriptures, I pray that that's the kind of impact that it has on you. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And if you keep reading in verse 22, it says, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We were so bad off, and yet he did that for us. He reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. John chapter one, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Because of Jesus, you have the right to become children of God. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. An insight. Lavished. That's not a word that we use very frequently. But he lavished grace upon us. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Like you were purchased, you were bought, and it was a significant price that was paid. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Same chapter, verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Do you see what just happened there? In God's eyes, when we say yes to the grace of Jesus, God views us like he views Jesus. Like we, because Jesus took our punishment, because we were guilty, guilty to death, but Jesus takes our punishment and we are rescued, we get a chance to receive the same that Jesus receives from the Father. So let's put the fourth one up there. All of them. So I think when we begin to realize that we're guilty, when we begin to see that we need to be rescued, that we can't do anything on our own, that brings us to a place of gratitude. And when we get to this place of gratitude, I think that when we see those three things, it leads to greater devotion. I know um, I'm, not, like, I'm not great at math. I don't know if this is a formula. I think it's more like a process. I just want you to see that it's a big deal. When you and I begin to realize that we are guilty that we are guilty to the point of death, that we need to be rescued and that we can't do anything on our own, that God sent his son Jesus to sacrifice for the guilt that we had, I think we see gratitude. And when we have gratitude, it leads us to a place of devotion. And I want you to just quickly think about this. So why was it that Mary showed so much devotion to Jesus? because she remembered that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. But here's what's interesting, and why I think so many times you and me fall short in how much devotion that we show Jesus, because Jesus did not come to our house and raise a relative from the dead. He comes to your house and raises you from the dead. And when you begin to realize that what he did was for you, I think it changes gratitude, which changes devotion. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your scriptures as we read many things this morning. I pray that those would flow over us and impact us. God, I pray that you would begin to help us to realize that we are incredibly guilty, guilty to the point of deserving death. That we needed some way to be rescued because we couldn't do anything on our own. And that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And I pray that that would overwhelm us, that that would impact us, I pray that we would begin to see grace differently. I pray that we would see it in the powerful way that it is. I pray that it would change us. God, why is it so many times in my life I can show my devotion to a stupid university, but I struggle to show my devotion to you? God, I pray that you would convict me. I pray that you would overwhelm me with your grace and your mercy. Pray that I would rejoice in what you've done for me. And as we continue to pray this morning, I know it's probably not <laughs> something that you want to hear, but my prayer is that God would simply begin to convict you. For those of you that have never said yes to Jesus, that he would begin to press in upon you to the place that it just becomes overwhelming, that you realize that you're so incredibly guilty to the point of death, that you need to be rescued, and that you would understand that Jesus provided a way for you to be rescued, and that you would simply say yes to him. For those of you that have already said yes to Jesus, my prayer is that you would be overwhelmed by his grace, And that you would begin to realize that Jesus didn't come to raise a relative from the dead. He came to raise you from the dead. God, I pray that we would begin to realize that Jesus is better than any circumstance, any greatness, any value that we could put on that. Jesus is better. And in those moments when we don't feel like it, I pray that you would begin to remind us of the sacrifice that you made. I pray that you would increase our gratitude. I pray that we would begin to learn how to show devotion to you in all areas of our life. And Jesus, even though thank you is not enough, this morning we say thank you that you took us from a place of death to a place of life, that you took us to a place of filth, to a place of clean. And Jesus, this morning, I pray that we could be just like Mary and that we could take the fragrance of our life and that we could anoint you and we should just say with gratitude, thank you. Is in your righteous and holy name we pray. Amen. So,